You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Feast, the word, means appointed times. That's what the Hebrew word means. Appointed times. And every feast speaks of an appointed time. The seven feasts and what they teach us is the complete redemptive career. That's the way I just suggested it, career of the Messiah. Have you ever noticed certain patterns or repeated details when reading the Word of God? Perhaps one of the more commonly recognized patterns is the usage of the number seven. Did you happen to know that the feast days in Leviticus are seven in number as well? In today's message, Pastor Danny will help you understand how each one of these feast days points to Jesus. In his study, you'll learn how various feasts correlate to the specific events in the ministry of Jesus as well as events yet to come. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Leviticus chapter 23 as he begins his message, The Feasts of the Lord. one, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, these are my appointed feast, the appointed feast of the Lord. That's interesting. Which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies. Our God is a God who planned feasts for his people. He wants us to feast. I like what uh, some of my old notes uh, that I was looking through today. Last time I taught through Leviticus uh, and I had, I had typed in, God wants us to feast, not fret. Verse three, the, there are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work wherever you live. It is a Sabbath to the Lord. The feast were throughout the year at particular times. The Sabbath was weekly. Seven is the number biblically for perfection or completion. And so every seventh day was a Sabbath. God put seven all over the map in the Bible. All over the map. For example, the Sabbath came about Uh, from God creating everything in six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. Now, understand, he didn't rest because he was tired. And he hallowed the seventh day, and he rested. The seventh month of the year was especially holy 
because the last three of the feasts that we'll look at were all in one month in the fall, the seventh month. Israel was to let the land rest every seventh year. Leviticus 24, verse 4. They failed to do that. That's interesting. You know how long they failed in doing that? 490 years. Every seventh year, they were to trust God and let the land rest. And God said, I'll provide for you. You don't have to worry. Which that's that's the whole idea of the Sabbath. You see, rest, trust God. Rest, trust him. Well, they didn't do it for 490 years. Every seven years, they missed it for 490 years. That's why God chose 70 years of Babylonian captivity. He said in 2 Chronicles chapter 36, verse, one, verse 21, now you're in Babylon, you're scattered, and, and you're in captivity, and the land will get its rest now. 70 years. That's how God chose 70 years. One year for every seventh year, they didn't let the land rest. Every seven sevens of years was called the year of Jubilee. That's in chapter 25 of Leviticus. I kind of wish we still had that. Because the year of Jubilee, all your debts were canceled, all slaves go free. That's pretty cool. I want to ask you to raise your hand if you'd like this year to be the year of Jubilee for you. Because I know we got a few. Seventy-sevens were decreed, Daniel chapter 9, that prophecy of the 490 years uh, of things that would happen related to the Jewish people, Israel. Seventy-sevens. I could keep going, I'll end with this one. The book of Revelation, I think you might be a little bit familiar with that if you're here with us on the weekend, uh, uses the number seven over 50 times, over 50 times. Oh, one I was going to mention, I'll go back and just say it. The book of Joshua, if you ever studied or read through the book of Joshua, sevens all through the book of Joshua. They come into the land of promise. Uh, First stop is Jericho. They march around it for seven days. On the seventh day, they march around it seven times. I mean, God's got seven all over the map of the Bible. It's the number of perfection and completion, biblically. The Sabbath was a regular reminder to rest. It specifically reminded Israel of their redemption from slavery in Egypt. And God wanted them to rest in the completed work of redemption. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. And he connects it with their redemption. Rest in my complete redemption. It's not your work. It's my work. Trust me. So it's interesting the Lord mentions the Sabbath right after the opening two verses where he talks about his feasts. That's interesting. I think... The message is clear. It's clear to me. He's saying, rest in my complete redemption and in the feast and what they teach us. Rest. You see, they're prophetic. Every one of them. 
Feast, the word, the word means appointed times. That's what the Hebrew word means. Appointed times. And every feast speaks of an appointed time. The seven feasts and what they teach us is the complete redemptive career. That's the way I just suggested it, career of the Messiah. It's cool stuff. I love the Bible, man. I just love it. Colossians chapter 2. Let me read it. Colossians chapter 2. And you want to get this in case you run across some of these people today that are part of the Hebrew roots movement. And it's just, you know, some of our own family here at Calvary Chapel. I know of at least two. I have four I know of that have bought into this Hebrew roots movement. It's just, it's just false doctrine. It's not true at all. Taking you back to the old covenant. Uh, taking you back to the law, and uh, we're not under law. We have a new covenant. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. We're not under the kosher laws of the Old Testament. Or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So here, all seven feasts, has something to do with the work of Christ in redemption. Verse 4, Leviticus 23. These are the Lord's appointed feasts, the sacred assemblies you are to proclaim at their appointed times. The Lord's Passover begins at twilight on the 14th day of the first month. On the 15th day of that month, the Lord's Feast of Unleavened Bread begins. For seven days you must eat bread made without yeast. On the first day hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. For seven days present an offering made to the Lord by fire. And on the seventh day hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread are inseparably linked. And sometimes uh, they actually... Use one name for the other. For example, there's a place in the New Testament that talks about the Feast of Unleavened Bread and really talking about Passover. But you see, you can't do one without the other. They're inseparably linked. Now, go back just for a minute to Exodus chapter 12. And let's just read a few verses about Passover. Exodus chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole Israelite community of Israel, on the 10th day of this month, uh, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. Verse 6, take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they're to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. And every time you did it, no matter how, which direction you went, every time you did it, you're making a cross. Isn't that cool? You're making a cross with the blood. John the Baptist, in John chapter 1, it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Paul says, For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. 
So Passover feast, very clearly, the appointed time that it speaks of is when Christ came and offered himself as the Lamb of God on the cross. Very clear. Very clear. And inseparably linked with Passover is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the whole verse there says, For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, but with bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. Jesus, in Matthew 16, verse 16, said, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Pharisees, that yeast is hypocrisy. Sadducees, that yeast is living short-sighted. Interesting, the Sadducees believed in God, but they didn't believe in angels or spirits or in resurrection. So what are you living for? You're living a religious life, but it's just for this life. Watch out for that kind of yeast. And then in Mark chapter 8, verse 15, Jesus said, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. The yeast of Herod, you read the book of Acts, how Herod died, the Herod he's talking about there. And uh, because he got the glory from the crowd and didn't give glory to God, God took his life. And that's what he was living for, this glory, this world's glory. That's the yeast of Herod. But see, yeast in the Bible is representative of sin. Exodus again, chapter 12, you go down verse um, 15. For seven days you're to eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, remove the yeast from your houses. For whoever eats anything with yeast in it from the first day through the seventh must be cut off from Israel. Verse 17, celebrate the feast of unleavened bread because it was on this very day that I brought your divisions out of Egypt. In that first month, verse 18, you're to eat bread made without yeast from the evening of the 14th day until the evening of the 21st day. Now, just a reminder, maybe somebody doesn't know, uh, still today in, in in, in Israel. Uh, if you're there in Israel on a Friday, Sabbath begins, not the next morning, Saturday morning, Sabbath begins that evening. Are you with me? Sabbath begins on Friday evening and goes through till Saturday evening. So Passover, you slaughter the lamb on the twilight, twilight just before dark, and then the next day begins. And the next day is that very evening after you've applied the blood of the lamb all right, to your life, and then you begin the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And for the next seven days, what you're doing is you're going throughout your house where you live, where you dwell, and you're getting every piece of yeast out of that house. Now, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Christ, of course, had no yeast in his life. But what the Feast of, of Unleavened Bread teaches us is that Passover, once we apply the blood, the lamb has been sacrificed for us, we've personally applied the blood, and the very natural thing that happens in a person's life after personally applying the blood is you want to get the yeast out of your life. You want your life to be pure. You know, if you're involved in sexual sin, once you apply the blood, you don't want to be involved in sexual sin anymore. You know, if you were a drug addict, you don't want to be a drug addict anymore. And thank God he frees us from that. He freed me just like that, just like that. And thank God he cleaned my mouth up too. Now, I've had some challenges since, but in that, that very night when I applied the blood, all of a sudden, nobody had to put soap in my mouth and wash it out. You know, I just, all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not cussing every other, you know, and it's weird how you can cuss away from your mother. And when you're around your mother, you don't cuss. But anyway... It is what it is. Uh, 
I just thought it when I was around her. Come on now. Don't be a hypocrite. 1 John 3, verse 3, let me read it for you. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. That's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Next one, Leviticus chapter 23, verse 9. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land I'm going to give you and you reap its harvest, bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain you harvest. He is to wave the sheaf before the Lord so it will be accepted on your behalf. The priest is to wave it on the day after the Sabbath. That's important. On the day you wave the sheaf, you must sacrifice as a burnt offering to the Lord a lamb a year old without defect, together with its grain offering of two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, an offering made to the Lord by fire, a pleasing aroma, and its drink offering of a quarter of a hen of wine. You must not eat any bread or roasted or new grain until the very day you bring this offering to your God. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. Now, this is the feast of first fruits, first fruits. It's an offering of the first ripened stalks of grain. And it's anticipation, it's an anticipation of a great harvest to come. And you offer to the Lord the first ripened stalks, and you're by faith trusting God to bring in a great harvest. Okay? Now, a couple of things we learned from this one. Uh, Practically speaking, Proverbs 3 verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Another translation says all your increase, and that's the idea, all your increase. But prophetically, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. As in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. I love this verse. Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Never gets old to think about the new body that I'm going to get. As a matter of fact, every birthday I get more excited about it. It was offered the day after the Sabbath. You didn't get it, did you? That's the day Jesus rose from the dead. He rose from the dead on the first day of the week that in the Jewish calendar is Sunday that's why the church began to meet on the first day of the week on Sunday because of resurrection and that's what first fruits prophetically speaks of because Christ has been raised from the dead and he has a new body will be raised from the dead And we'll have a new body, never to die again. I mean, don't you just pinch yourself and go, is that really true? It is really true. It's really true. We are all going to have hair. I don't know. But you never look in the mirror again and go, eh. It never, it won't be that, that's, it won't be heaven if you're going to look in the mirror and go, ah, I don't know if I like it. You know what I'm saying? Next feast. Verse 15, chapter 23, from the day 
After the Sabbath, the day you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, count off seven full weeks. Count off 50 days up to the day after the seventh Sabbath, and then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. From wherever you live, bring two loaves made of two tenths of an ephah of fine flour, baked with yeast. I underline that. Baked with yeast. Two loaves baked with yeast. As a wave offering of first fruits to the Lord. Present with this bread seven male lambs, each a year old and without defect, one young bull and two rams. They will be a burnt offering to the Lord together with their grain offerings and drink offerings, an offering made by fire and aroma pleasing to the Lord. Then sacrifice one male goat for a sin offering, two, ma- two lambs each a year old for a fellowship offering. The priest is to wave the two lambs before the Lord as a wave offering together with the bread of the first fruits. They are a sacred offering to the Lord for the priest. On that same day, you're to proclaim a sacred assembly and do no regular work. There again is that rest. God says that over and over again, rest. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. And then he adds this, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap the, to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I'm the Lord your God. And he wants us to be like him. This is the feast of weeks. It's also called the feast of Pentecost. Pentecost uh, simply means 50. Well, that's why we call it the feast of Pentecost. Because you count off seven weeks, and then the 50th day, Pentecost, you celebrate this feast. Now, two loaves were baked with leaven. That's important. Several possibilities, but there's a main point. What's the main point? Well, two, really. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14 By one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Two loaves baked with leaven. Truth is, I'm holy uh, by faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, but practically speaking, uh, I still got some issues. And so do you. But what's the main point? Acts chapter 2, let me just, uh, you probably know what Acts chapter 2 is. On the day of Pentecost... Holy Spirit comes down, fills those believers. They begin to speak in this uh, wonderful gift of tongues. A crowd is drawn because of the sound of the rushing mighty wind. The crowd shows up. One guy says they're drunk. Peter says they're not drunk. This is the fulfillment of prophecy. And then he quotes uh, Joel, you know, about the Spirit being poured out. And then Peter uh, gets up, and among those thousands of people that have gathered uh, now because God got their attention, from what's happening. Uh, He preaches Jesus. He preaches the gospel. 3,000 people get saved. You continue to read through the book of Acts. God speaks to Peter, and Peter goes to the house of a Gentile, uncircumcised Gentile named Cornelius. Cornelius, anticipating Peter's coming, he's got his house full of people, full of people, probably family, probably neighbors, friends. And Peter walks in knowing he's violating, violating Jewish tradition, knowing he's going to get criticized for it. He's going into a Gentile's house with a whole room full of Gentiles, defiling himself. Remember, to get Peter to go, uh, he has that vision. God shows it to him three times. He's there on the roof and the vision of the unclean animals. And God says, get up, Peter, kill and eat. He says, no, I've been kosher my whole life. Well, God's trying to teach him something. That God's offering salvation to the Gentiles just like he offers to the Jews. On the same basis, by grace through faith.
Thanks for joining Pastor Danny today for his message in Leviticus. There's a lot to learn from this Old Testament book of the law. God gave these rules and regulations to the Israelites for a reason. Each one of them points you to who God is and how he desires his followers to stand out from the rest of the crowd. Leviticus gives you a picture of the care that God has for his creation and invites you into a new way of living. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor Danny's teachings from this book, or if you'd like to explore other series from The Living Word, we invite you to visit ccfstpete.church. While you're there, you can also learn about the church where these teachings come from, Calvary Chapel Fellowship. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, come join us for church this weekend. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Details and directions are at our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. If you're not able to join us in person just yet, you can still tune in via our live stream. Find a link at our website. As our time with you comes to an end today, we want you to know that we're praying for you. Is there anything specific we could be lifting up to the Lord? Please email us to let us know. Info at ccfstpete.church. That's all we have for now. Join us next time for more from Leviticus right here on The Living Word.